I'm just a poor wayfaring stranger traveling Welcome to this podcast from Faith Bible Church in Reno, Nevada. Faith Bible Church is a Christ-centered Bible teaching ministry dedicated to bringing the good news of the gospel to the whole world. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And now for this week's message from Pastor Alan Battle. Our scripture reading begins today with Ruth, chapter 1, verses 16 through 19. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more. Also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. So the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem. Micah 5, 2-5. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the mighty name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. And First John 4, 9 and 10. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for sin. This is the holy and eternal word of God. You may be seated. So we're celebrating Advent this year with a series of sermons based on the symbolism of the Advent wreath. And each candle in the wreath represents a different theme of Christ's Advent, that is, his coming. Last week, the first candle represented hope, also called the prophecy candle. It reminds us of the hope of a promised deliverer for the people of Israel. A deliverer whose name would be called Emmanuel, God with us. And he is the Messiah. He's the deliverer who will sit on the throne of David and rule over the whole earth. And though that promise has not yet been fulfilled, he accomplished a greater deliverance by going to the cross and dying for the sins of the world the first time he came. But now we look to his second coming when the Son of Man shall come in glory with all his holy angels. 
And that's when he will fulfill all of the prophecies concerning him and all of our hopes will be realized. So the second candle is the love candle. So if we could light the candles. The love candle is also known as the Bethlehem candle. It represents the Lord's humble birth in a stable in that little village in southern Israel 2,000 years ago. Bethlehem is about five miles south of Jerusalem. And here's a map that depicts the time just before the conquest of the land by the Jews. You see it down there at the bottom, the red arrow. The little town of Bethlehem is one of the most ancient cities in the Mideast. The name means house of bread, Bethlehem. And today it is in Palestinian, in the Palestinian West Bank. And it's known under his Arabic name, which is Bayat Laham. Very close. Yeah. It existed before General Joshua and the children of Israel took the land. It existed at the time of the patriarchs. In fact, the first mention in the Bible is in Genesis 35:19, where it says, So Rachel died, and she was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is, Bethlehem. And Jacob set up a pillar over her tomb. It is the pillar of Rachel's tomb, which is there to this day. Now, this day was when Moses was writing about 1450 B.C., Jacob and Rachel, they lived 200 years even before that. Today, there is a tomb on the edge of the city. We don't know if it's actual place, um, but it is revered by all three monotheistic, monotheistic religions, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. They all honor Rachel to this day. Then later, after the church began in the 4th century, Helena the mother of the emperor Constantine, she had a church built over what was purported to be the place of Jesus' birth. It's called the Church of Nativity. And it too is still there, um, having been added onto over the centuries. And it is a hugely popular tourist destination, especially at Christmas time. So Bethlehem although insignificant and inconsequential politically, has been the location of several biblical events. In the time of Christ, Luke called that city the city of David. It was David's hometown where he grew up and where he was anointed as king by Samuel. And when David was running from Saul, it was where three of his soldiers broke in to get some water out of the well for David. The most important biblical event that ever took place there, though, was, of course, the birth of Christ. It was predicted by the prophet Micah in the 8th century B.C., around the same time that Isaiah was ministering in Judah. Before we look at that prophecy, I was thinking about the topic this week, the topic of love, and I realized probably the greatest love story in the Bible took place in Bethlehem. And that story is found in the book of Ruth. 
In fact, there are three love stories in the book of Ruth. So let's do a quick overview. It says in Ruth 1.1, In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and two sons. So this tells us that it was at the time of the judges. That was a time of anarchy and rampant sin in Israel. A famine had caused a Jew named Elimelech to flee to Moab along with his wife Naomi and their two sons. Well, within 10 years, Elimelech and both sons died. And his wife Naomi became a sad and bitter woman who believed that God had judged her and had abandoned her. She even changed her name to Mara, which means bitter. All she had left to her were her two widowed daughters-in-law. And as a widow in a foreign land, Naomi had few options. So she decided to return to her homeland. And the young women both said they were going to go with her. But Naomi told them, no, you go find new husbands among your own people. Make a life for yourself. One of them took her advice. But the other one, Ruth, she insisted that she go with Naomi to Israel. So it says in Ruth 1.16, Don't urge me to leave you or to go and return from you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God my God. That's the first love story. It's the love that Ruth had for Naomi. She left everything she knew to be with Naomi, to serve her mother-in-law. She was still young. She was still marriageable. But she gave up her chances in order to support Naomi. Now the second love story in Ruth begins when they arrive back at Jerusalem. And it was harvest time. Being poor... Ruth decided to go out and glean in the fields behind the harvesters. Now, God provided this means of support for the poor in in Leviticus uh, when he instructed the owners of fields to leave whatever fell to the ground for the poor to gather. So Naomi, or so Ruth, goes out and she just happens to pick the field of Naomi's close relative, named Boaz. And Boaz wanted to know who this woman was. Well, when he discovered that it was the young widow that had returned with Naomi, he instructed his people to watch out for her. And in fact, he told them to leave extra grain laying around so that she could pick that up. And then he, met and he told her, just stick with my people until the harvest is over. It'll be safer here. So the end of the harvest, everyone's going to the threshing floor. They're going to prepare the grain. They're going to bag it up for the coming year. And so they would thresh the wheat, and then they'd have a big party and a camp out at the threshing floor. So Naomi hatches a plan. In Ruth 3.1, it says, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter... Should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? 
Seek rest here means to settle her down with a husband. Naomi is playing matchmaker. So she told Ruth, fix yourself up and go to the party and lay at the feet of Boaz after everyone's fallen asleep. Now, there was no funny business going on here. Ruth was invoking what the Bible calls the kinsman redeemer rules from the law. That law said that if a woman was widowed, a close relative of the husband should marry her and carry on the family name. So Boaz wakes up at midnight and there's someone at his feet in the dark. In verse 9 in chapter 3, he said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. Ruth popped the question. (laughs) And Boaz was thrilled. He says in verse 10, And he said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. So apparently Boaz was more like Naomi's age. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask, for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. Now, there was a legal issue that they had to work out before they could get married, and we're not going to go into that today. But eventually, the couple was married, and they had a child. So that's the second love story in Ruth. And you would think that that's it, right? That's, they lived happily ever after, and the story's over. Well, that's not how it ends, uh, but I'm going to save the third love story for the end of the sermon. So let's look at Micah's prophecy again. Who is this one to be born in Bethlehem? But you, O Bethlehem Ephrata, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth from me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. He's the ruler of Israel. He's the promised Messiah. His coming forth is from old, from ancient days. How old? From eternity. Jesus said as much when he told the Pharisees, Before Abraham was, I am. He's the eternal son of God. And we know from God's promise to David that the Messiah would come from David's line. Now, does anyone know who the son of Boaz and Ruth was? Obed. And Obed was the father of Jesse. And Jesse was the father of David. So, Boaz and Ruth were David's great-grandparents. And this is why Joseph and Mary had to go to Bethlehem. Look at Luke 22. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. So because Joseph was of the line of David, 
he was required to go to his ancestral hometown to register for the tax rolls under that Roman regime. This was a long and difficult journey for the couple. But God, just as he was working behind the scenes with Ruth and Naomi, he is working behind the scenes here to bring about great blessing for the world. He is ordering the steps of Joseph and Mary so that they can fulfill this prophecy from Micah. And just as Isaiah's prophecies of the Messiah had fulfillments now and later, there's a gap between the first and second parts of this prophecy as well. Look at the next line, Micah 5.3. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. So the people of Israel were given up. They were scattered. And then this one who is coming to give birth, gives birth, and then the rest of them will come back. Well, Mary gave birth 2,000 years ago to Jesus. The rest of the brothers have not yet returned. But you can be sure that if this first part of the prophecy was fulfilled in such miraculous detail, then the rest will certainly happen just as God said it would, but in his timing. I want us to notice, though, what kind of a ruler this child born in Bethlehem is going to be. Micah 5.4 And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. He's a shepherd to his people, not a tyrant. Yes, he, he will rule in strength, but he will rule with a heart of compassion. And God always leads with love, not with wrath. This is a constant theme throughout the whole Old Testament. What was the first thing that God did after Adam and Eve sinned? He made clothes for them. And in the Exodus, when the people were grumbling, he gave them water from the rock and manna from heaven. And during the time of the judges, the time when Naomi and Ruth were living there, the people repeatedly fell into gross idolatry and sin. And time after time, God raised up judges to save them from their own foolishness. Then later, when both the northern and southern kingdoms broke the covenant that God made with them, a covenant that guaranteed peace and prosperity in the land, God sent prophet after prophet to warn them to return to God, to that covenant, before he would have to judge them and remove them from the land. God always leads with love. And as God said in Isaiah 65 too, all day long I have stretched out my hand to a disobedient and rebellious people. God always leads with mercy. He does not desire that any should perish, but that all come to repentance.
And this is where the third love story from the book of Ruth comes in. What's the third love story? It's the love story between Yahweh and Naomi. Naomi thought God had abandoned her. She was bitter and angry. God had taken her husband and her sons. She doubted God's love for her. But all the time, God was working things out in the background in order to demonstrate, in order to prove his love for her. So listen to what the village women said upon the arrival of Naomi's grandson. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, Yahweh, who has not left, who has not left you this day without a redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you is more to you than seven sons has given birth to him. God demonstrated his love for Naomi by giving her a child. A child that gave her legal status that made her once again the matriarch of the family. Through that child, God redeemed and restored her life from one of shame and misery to one of honor and prosperity. So how's all this related to the birth of Christ? Well, you probably guessed. God has redeemed and restored the life of the whole world by sending his son to be born in that same little town. That's why we associate Bethlehem with love. Bethlehem's where God stretched out his hand with an offer of mercy, not just for Israel, but for the whole world. It's the place where God chose to demonstrate his love to the world. We all know John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. But the same author, John, wrote in his first letter, this makes that point even more clear. 1 John 4, 9 and 10 says, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for sin. God leads with love. He showed it by sending a living, breathing child who would eventually go and die on a cross. You know, Paul says the same thing in Romans 5.8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the meaning of the manger. That the eternal king of the universe would humble himself in order to bring unworthy sinners, just like you and me, into his circle of love. God has constantly stretched out his hand with the offer of grace to the rebellious Israelites, and he's doing the same thing in the world today. And even though he's God, he came in the form of a servant. He came to an insignificant backwater town 
a poor child born of poor parents. And that shows us that this salvation is for everyone, from the greatest to the least. The birth of the baby in Bethlehem is the demonstration of his love. Have you responded to that love? Or, as Paul asks in Romans 2.4, do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? God always leads with love, but his kindness is calling us to repentance, to turn away from sin so that we can come under the gentle rule of the Good Shepherd. So I want to end today with a call for all of us to repent and to begin following him, imitating him, our Lord, especially in this holiday season. The same prophet who proclaimed the coming of the Savior in a manger in Bethlehem tells us how we can do that, how we can follow in his footsteps and demonstrate the love of God to the world. It's in Micah 6.8. He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? You know, we can all demonstrate our love to others in tangible ways this Christmas season. So let's pray that we find ways to do that. Let's pray together to find ways to do that. Let's pray. Lord, we know that love is not a feeling, that love is action. Lord, we thank you that you sent your son to sacrifice his self on the cross for us the ultimate action. And Lord, we pray that you would teach us to love others in tangible ways, that you would give us wisdom, that you would give us compassion, Lord, that you would grant us humility, that we might follow after you and proclaim your glory to the world in doing so. So we give you praise and honor in the name above all names, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank you for listening to the preaching of God's Word from Faith Bible Church in Reno, Nevada. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you and that the Word of God will fill your hearts and minds as you walk through this world. If you have been blessed by this ministry and would like to make a small donation to help defray the cost of this podcast, just click on the green Support Us button at the top of the webpage. Thank you.